Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Today we get a chance to follow current headlines and perhaps get a jump on questions that many of you will have in the weeks ahead as tax filing season begins. Hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell back with you for another of our uh, weekly conversations. And today our focus will be on a a recently passed piece of legislation um, known as the uh, Protecting Americans from Tax Hike Act, or PATH Act. Among other things, the bill has made uh, permanent some tax credits, which in the past had been extended on a temporary basis while also changing the parameters of other portions of the tax code. Now, I've got a lot to talk about, so here to help with the discussion is first attorney Stephen Magala of LaBelle Law and Dan Duncan, a principal in the tax group of the CPA firm of CDH. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking time today. Good afternoon. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Dan, yeah, thanks, and, and thanks for joining us, Dan. First time to have you with us. Um, I'm going to turn to you first. If If you could just start us off... Um, and I know this is a very detailed piece of legislation, and we, you know, we're limited on time. But can you give us a high-level recap of what significant changes might have been included in this act? Sure. The uh, the biggest, and from a from a business perspective, is really the um, bringing back the uh, Section 179 depreciation and also the uh, bonus depreciation. Uh, some of the uh, items are permanent and some are uh, just extensions that uh, will expire in the future. And I think we're going to kind of work our way through those today. And, and Steve, you know, what's the importance of taking some of those credits that, that Dan mentioned that had always been temporary and, and hopefully renewed each year, but people were never sure, like like the R&D credit, and making it permanent? How does it impact businesses? Yeah, I mean, it gives them more certainty with respect to planning, certainly, um, you know, what what this act does. And, uh, you know, it was just signed Friday by the president. Um, it kind of creates, you know, different categories of extenders. First, you have, you know, those that were permanently modified or perma- that were made permanent and in some cases mm-hmm. modified. Second category, you know, five-year ext- extensions. And then uh, the third category was uh, um, is extensions for uh, two years for 2015 and 2016. So, uh, you know, so some good um, some good certainty was given uh, here in the act overall. And and Dan, uh, Steve mentioned some dates there, and that was actually going to be my next question. So we're, we're thinking along the same lines. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the provisions, as often happens with these extenders, were made retroactive to, to January 1, 2015. And if I read it correctly, there's others that actually kick in January 1st, 2016. Is that is that the right read? Uh, that's correct. M- most things are are brought back uh, through January 1 of 15, but they would be extended uh, in 16, or they may be modified in 16. Okay, and I, I suppose now is a good time to start talking really about what this means and some of the particulars. So let's let's start with the area that you mentioned. I think the one that's getting a lot of attention, which is the, the Section 179 rules. Before we talk about what changed, can when you guys just sort of give us a recap of of what that section of the code actually covers? Go ahead, Dan. 
Uh, sure. The the one seventy nine is the first year depreciation on uh, equipment that's uh, used for business, and the old law was that um, effective one one fifteen was that you could expense twenty five thousand dollars of new equipment. The balance of uh, the purchase would be depreciated over its useful life for tax purposes, generally five or seven years. So the new law, which uh, I'll call it new law, it's really a reinstatement of of a previous law, and and this is one of the items they made permanent, is that now you can deduct $500,000 of new equipment or used equipment purchased as long as the total purchases are not more than two million dollars. That that that's a big impact to a, to a business to to be able to jump from twenty five thousand to to five hundred thousand. Um, is this sort of one of those things that's designed to encourage businesses to to be more aggressive, to grow a little bit, to go ahead and make investment? Yes, exactly. Um, it's as Steve said, it it offers certainty for for businesses. Uh, so that they can make investments. Uh, when this 25000 was put in place, it was uh, actually many years ago, and uh, with inflation and what businesses need now to, you know, whether they're buying a, a new piece of equipment, could, which could be fifty dollars or $100,000, or new vehicles or delivery vehicles. So it, it gives a business, number one, the certainty in, in um, how they can plan, for replacing their equipment, and then it gives them the ability to write that off for taxes as well. And and that falls, as you obviously stated, you know, we, we talk about depreciation. Now, I've, I've read and heard about bonus depreciation. Is that what we're talking about here, or is that a separate uh, category? No, bonus is a separate category, and bonus is it's only new equipment, and it's... Um, it's 50%, and there's no limit. So if if a business were to buy uh, $2 million worth of, of equipment or $3 million worth of equipment, they're over the limit for Section 179 first-year depreciation, but they can still claim bonus, and, and bonus is 50% of the cost of the new equipment. Again, it has to be new equipment. And... The balance is depreciated using the the normal uh, five or seven year lives of uh, as prescribed by the IRS. But Dan, uh, Dan correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, but I think that bonus depreciation is only a five year extension, correct? Correct. It's it's a five year extension, uh, and within that five years, it actually phases down. So, in uh, year two thousand and 18, it goes to 40% from 50% bonus, and in 2019, it goes to 30% uh, bonus, and then it expires at the end of uh, for property placed in service after 2019. We're uh, we're in the midst of a great conversation here on, on the new tax extender package that uh, came out of Washington last week. Joining me are Lavelle Law Attorney Stephen Magala, um, and you've heard. Steve, our podcast in the past, and 
You can always read some of his articles at LavelleLaw.com, including his monthly banking and business newsletter. Um, and, and also we're joined today by Dan Duncan, a principal at CDH, a leading CPA firm in the area. You can learn more about Dan at CDHCPA.com, um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit later about how to get in touch with Dan. Now, we talked there for a moment um, about new equipment, equipment that's purchased. Um, are there also rules that have changed regarding leasehold improvement? And if so, what, what can you tell us about that? Sure. The uh, the leasehold improvements, again, this was some another part of the extenders, and this was made uh, a permanent extension, is if uh, if if a building, if, if a tenant makes improvements to a building which they do not own, and there's there's certain guidelines in in that, uh, they can, uh, and, and and that and those improvements qualify for a straight line recovery. They can also have a write off on that too. So uh, it, it can qualify for Section 179. And, and so, Steve, that really encompasses and, and, and certainly for the clients that we deal. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. Uh, certainly for the clients that we that, deal that, with. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, certainly for the clients we deal with. Uh, you know, that's that's a, a big um, a deal. You know, in terms of you know, we often represent tenants who make these leasehold or landlords who make these leasehold improvements, and um, you know, they certainly look to uh, you know to uh, recover those as, as recover the cost of those improvements you know as fast as possible. Yeah, I think there's a real benefit there, and that's one of the points is that this this bill seems to cover a lot of different types of entities, uh, different businesses, and and uh, uh, who who have different needs really. I agree. Um, now, I, I also want to talk briefly, if we can, about the uh, the R and D tax credit because that's my gosh, that one's been around since uh, 1981. It's been extended uh, numerous times, but always temporarily. Um, not really well known outside of certain industries and groups that use it. Can can you give us a description of what the R and D credit offers to a business? Sure. Uh, businesses that do uh, qualified research and development, and there's a, a four areas that uh, that that you would test to to make sure you qualify. Uh, if if you qualify for uh, the credit. Then uh, you're able to take it, and, and it is a credit. It's primarily based on labor, although some materials are, are counted into the credit. But it's primarily based on the labor that uh, a company uses to do research and development or to change a process. And the uh, as you, you stated, that this is now a permanent extension. In the past, it, it has always been temporary. Uh, never permanent. So this is really a big deal. In addition, uh, they're trying to get smaller companies to to use this credit. So companies that have $50 million or less of gross receipts can also claim the credit against their alternative minimum tax. And that's important because a lot of companies that are what would be considered a flow-through entity, a partnership or an S-corporation, where the credit is taken on the individual's tax return, the, the the member or the shareholder, many times those were limited based on the alternative minimum tax that that the uh, person was subject to. This uh, permanent extension added the 
this caveat about 50 million or less, and it can apply against alternative minimum tax liability, which is uh, very big for uh, businesses and business owners. Sure, definitely. Sure, and, and, and with the R and D credit, Steve, I know that you know as we've heard, there there are criteria to be met, and it, it is frequently applied to to labor costs. Um, and I think 179 has has certain requirements as well. I, I guess the point here is, now that these are more, if if not permanent, um, you know, more broadly defined and available, it, it's sort of incumbent upon the client to really make sure record keeping is in place because these are valuable credits. But if you can't substantiate them uh, at the end of the year, it does you no good. And I assume you probably work with clients to make sure that you get everything in order before they start doing tax filings. Yeah, our, our, our tax uh, representation you know, includes uh, uh, audits uh, and um, you know, disputes with the IRS uh, uh, in that regard. So, you know, to the extent that um, they're reporting, um, you know, uh, ends up being disputed or audited, then we can certainly step in and assist with that. And, and Dan, from an accounting perspective, how, how does CDH help clients with things like documentation and getting things in order for proper filings? Well, from from a um, perspective of their equipment they're buying, their, um, we're making sure that, number one, is it, is it new equipment, is it used equipment, how is going to be best, the best way to, to uh, depreciate that equipment, whether it's Section 179 or, or bonus, what's going to be most effective for them. From an R&D perspective, it's, it's really going in and, and identifying the process that qualifies for the R&D and then documenting the hours of the people that are involved in that process. And, and Steve, we've got just a little bit of time left here. We've talked about businesses. Is there anything uh, specific to individual taxpayers or anything else on the business side that we didn't cover that really stand out in this act? Um, there's a couple of things that, uh, you know, this um, act also made permanent for on the, on the individual side. Um, the um, American Opportunity Tax Credit, Section 25, Capital A, was made permanent and somewhat modified. Um, in the past, we've also had that uh, deduction, really a choice between deducting sales taxes in lieu of, uh, or state and local sales taxes in lieu of state and local income taxes. That's That was a, a permanent extension, so that choice will at least be there in the, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, if you're at least 70 and a half years old and you want to make um, t- take a qualified charitable distribution out of your IRA, you can do that. Uh, uh, you can continue to do that, I should say. Um, that won't be included in your income. So there's a lot of good uh, individual provisions here, too, so that were uh, certainly permanently yeah. extended, and others that were extended for just you know five years and two years. Well, great. And, Dan, been a pleasure talking to you today. Before we let you go, any any place, uh, best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to follow up? Sure. They can uh, get in touch with me at dduncan, D-U-N-C-A-N, at cdhcpa.com or at 630-285-0215. And, of course, uh, Stephen McGauley can be reached at 847-705-7555 or lavellelaw.com. I'd like to thank both gentlemen for being here today. Tax law is just one of the many topics we've covered. Please feel free to go back and review any of our past podcasts at uh, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or on lavellelaw.com. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. 
If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.